0: Father, as we come around your word, we look at evangelists, those crazy evangelists. Lord, I pray that you'll just speak what's on your heart. Just lead us to the place of your choosing, we pray. And all my friends said, Amen, 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 amen. Thanks, Steph. Praise God. so good to be with you guys yet again and thank you for giving me the f- opportunity of a another first that is the first time to ever talk about the evangelist <laughs> Lord help us all and uh <laughs> oh my goodness me evangelist and as I as I started to lean into this, because I don't normally get asked to speak on a certain thing, as Greg knows, and um, but I just felt in my spirit, God said yes. So if I hadn't, I would have said no. But I uh, <laughs> said yes, and and as I did, I did what any sane person would do, as I went to the Word and started to go into my, uh, you know, where you can search for words and things like that and started to have a look at, okay, evangelist. And so this is what I found out when I started, um, that there's only one Greek word for evangelist or evangelist in the Bible. There's only one word. And it means a preacher of the gospel. Who would have knew? Who would have thought? Uh, a preacher of the gospel, uh, a bringer of good tidings, one who brings good news and that It's a great place to start. An evangelist is not there to bring bad news. Jesus didn't come to bring bad news. He came to bring good news. And it says the name given to the New Testament heralds of salvation through Christ who are not apostles. That's what I read in the Greek. and, And interestingly, the word evangelist is only mentioned three times. Evangelist and evangelist is only mentioned three times in the whole entire Bible, isn't it? Prophets, hundreds. You know, after I said it, I realized... I don't actually mean, mean it to sound like I... something faulty with this one. Can we have a bit more anointing? 19 on? Just turn it up a little bit near 19. No. Um, and there's only three times... Once it mentions evangelists, and you know it, Ephesians 4.11, He's has given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. The uh, second time it talks about evangelists is uh, in Acts uh, 21.8, when it talks about Philip the evangelist, the one who ran uh, aside, alongside the Ethiopian there and, and presented the, you know, by revelation, brought out the truth. And the only other time is when Paul encourages Timothy, interestingly, in 2 Timothy 4, 5, when he's encouraging Timothy and what he should do, and it says, amongst it, he says, and do the work of the evangelist. So he gave evangelists to equip people for the work, Philip the evangelist, and Paul to Timothy do the work of an evangelist. I got to that point, and I said, okay, what next? And I felt God just say, to me, so clearly, he said, "Stop." And he said to me, "Prepare for this as you would for anything else, as a prophet." So, that, thats my teaching. Is done, finished. Um, one Greek word, three times. <laughs> Woo! Is this what you had in mind? <laughs> I'm going somewhere. I am. Australia. Some of you are hoping it's going to get better than this. <laughs> but I came for this. <laughs> um, and it does, it gets a lot better. Because as I started to listen, Father started to speak to me, and that's what I want. I don't want just some teaching. And I, please, I don't mean that in a, I'm talking about, I don't just want some facts or some figures or three to, I don't want that. And I'm going to say something that you cannot theologically find. Okay, so I'll just put it out there and you can mop it up. Um, <laughs> but it isn't just in worship and just as in my room just before I came where I'm just listening. And as I said, if you look at prophets, if you look at apostles and stuff, there's many, many, many many accounts. Many times what references Old Testament and, and obviously prophet, but in the New Testament, many times with the apostle and and I just wonder if the Holy Spirit—this is what I feel in my spirit. So I'm submitting this not as theology; it's just I want to open this up. To this is what I'm feeling. So I'm going to say it because I think Father's wanting to say something. I wonder if there's not a lot of there's only the three mentions of the evangelist. One with the purpose of, come on, equipping the people to do. One where it mentions an evangelist, for and the other one is to someone who's not an evangelist saying, make sure you do the work of an evangelist. I just feel in my spirit, I wonder if it doesn't mention it too many times because God is saying the heart of every believer is to be the heart of an evangelist and let's not even mention it too many times so we go, that's their job. Because it does mention prophet many times but it also mentions prophecy, prophesy. It says, Paul says, come on, Follow the way I love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Stir it up, stir it up, Come stir up the gift of God. I, I, I'd have everyone, I, I want everyone to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you speak a word of prophecy. It's like, we get that, we get that. It's not just for the prophets. We get, we get that. Paul said to the church, I, would want, I want everyone. He even goes as far as to say the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, because the one who speaks in tongues, you just build yourself up. But this is about building others up. That's what it says. First Corinthians 14, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And I'm just feeling in my spirit, I wonder if God is saying, you know what, there's not an overemphasis on evangelists because it's not really down to a person. It's not really down, it's not that's what they do. This is something that Father wants to capture on the heart of every believer. And so let's, as we lean into this. As we lean into this now, when Father said to me, "Stop," which I did, and He said, "Come on, <laughs> prepare for this as you would anything else. Just step back, forget about study. Just this is what I said, uh, Father, and you heard me say it this morning, and you'll probably hear me say it next time, and hopefully the next time. And as Father, help me to see." as you want me to see and help me to be who you want me to be. And I felt Father say, that's the heart of the evangelist. That's the heart of the evangelist. God, I need to see people as you see people. And I need to be to people who you want me to be to people so that people can encounter you. That's all I want to talk about tonight. Those two things, because This is the heart of the evangelist. So I'm not going to go into deep things on the evangelist tonight. I'll leave that to Greg and others. I I just want to lean into what Father is saying to me, that the heart of the evangelist sees people, sees people as Father sees people, sees people how Father wants me to see them. I fear that sometimes we see problems, not people. I fear that sometimes we even see potential not people. What can they do for us? What can they do here? What can they do how can they serve? God always sees people. People talk about God's not into numbers. Um read your bible he's got a whole book called numbers and he is really good at keeping records of how many here and there and everything else and he he talks about how many disciples he's got he talks about 7 Sent out the 72, didn't say sent out the disciples. He talked about one day about 5,000 5, men and women came and sat down and talked about 3,000 got saved. Took, I mean, he's, he's actually really into numbers. But the only reason he's into numbers is because every number represents a person. He's not into numbers for numbers' sake, he's into numbers for people's sake. And as we start just leaning into this tonight, I want us to look firstly at seeing people as Father sees them. Every person. Every person. And as we just start to get into this, here's a couple statements I want to make, and that is that every person was created by God. We know that, don't we? Do you know anyone that wasn't? Every person. Every person. This actually really, really, this that's not just a throwaway line. Okay, great it actually affects how we see people. If we see them as someone that was, you know, this is their parents and they're born there and this is their life and this is their problems and all that, then we approach them from a natural perspective with natural parents and problems and challenges and difficulties. But the Bible says statements like in Ephesians 1, 4, that he shows us in him before the foundations of the world, before the foundations of of the world. We read in Psalm 139 that He knit us together in our mother's womb. He knew us before we're fearfully and wonderfully made by Him. No person has their origins in their parents but in God. No person exists because primarily firstly because of the will of a man and a woman, but because God says I want you now. I believe that with all my heart. God doesn't have accidents. He doesn't. He doesn't. And anyone that is born even if they were naturally illegitimate are not in the eyes of God because they are created by God before the foundations of the world conceived in God's heart and God's mind and in God's intention. And I love that. And so the heart of an evangelist sees every person created by God. Everyone you know that person that annoys the absolute snot out of you? Created by God, wanted by God, loved by God. And every person that was created by God, which is every person, was also created for relationship with God. Come on. Not a single person that is breathing was not created for relationship with God. Every person. Everyone. 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 And I really think that this is there's a I'm I'm going to say a few things, but there's a there's a couple that I want to you know almost italics bold underline that I want it done in your spirit the same way, and this is one no one is more deserving or less deserving of God's love. I just want us to see that on this Greek, no one is more deserving or less deserving. The truth is many times we don't actually if we think about it we don't actually think that we've just got to be honest sometimes we don't even believe it but we don't think it we sometimes think that certain people are closer to god than others outside of a relationship with god almost like there's a physical distance or we're going to not measure we're going to not see it through natural eyes i've got people in my you know family and you probably doing your family extended family different things that maybe you've got two people that are not walking with God, one is living a what some would, everyone else would consider a great life, and one is making really, really dumb, stupid, wrong decisions. And if we're not careful, we will have this subconscious, subtle thought that the one doing the dumb stuff needs God more than the one that's actually living life pretty well. We do. We'll pray harder for those that are doing dumber stuff. We do. Because we think they need God more. They don't. They do not need God anymore. They don't need God any less. This is really, uh, is is this okay? It's just that that every person created by God, every person created for relationship, no person more deserving, no person less deserving. One of the things that I have always said, one of the things I've always said is, sometimes again, we see people Maybe people feel this where, you know, almost like I don't need God, I'm like 90% good, you know. And then as you look at some people and you go, man, you're, you're lucky if you're 10% good. Come on. And I used to say things, and I've heard people say it, it's like, you know, wherever we are, no one would say they're 100% good. So to be acceptable to God, you've got to be 100% good because he's a perfect holy God. You can't. That's why he sent his son. And I used to say things like, Wherever you are, we're all on the same playing field because we've got to be 100%. So if you feel like you're 90, God makes up the difference. If you feel like you're 10, God makes up the difference. That's the language I've used and that's the language I've learned. And just the other day I was saying that and God said, no, that's not right. This is what he said to me. God brings every person back to a zero. And I'm a, I am your life. It's not 90% you with 10% God now I'm 100%. It's not 10% you with 90% God and now I'm 100%. Now I'm complete. No. In God's eyes, this is such a loving statement, we are all big fat zeros. Compared to a perfect holy God. Come on we got to understand perspective from God's, our perspective is like standing here looking at a 100 meter hill and standing here looking at a 2000 meter mountain and going, wow, that's so much bigger, that's so much, you know, the difference is huge. Go up to, I don't know, an airplane height, number one, you're not going to see them. But number two, if you could see them, they both look exactly the same. And I feel like God's saying, "You need to understand from my perspective, you go this, you go this, this bad, this good, no, no, in my perspective, it's all without me it's it's nothing, it's all or nothing. It's not 90, 10, 70, it's it's not percentages. I don't make up the difference. I am life because isn't that something you know we've talked a lot, isn't this part of what can keep creep into? Christianity these days it's like life can largely continue as it is unless add God and we're all good. That's not it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. This is the eternal life that you might know me. And so, I just want to really say that seeing people as Father sees them. This is the heart of an evangelist. Is every person created by God? Every person created for a relationship. No one more deserving. No one less deserving. And you know what? Where this really comes down to a test for us. It's not when we're talking here and you're focusing in on what I'm saying we go, yes, yes, yes. It's when that person in your world that has done you the worst of worst wrongs comes into mind that we say, well, are they less deserving or more deserving? We think about our favourite auntie or our grandmother who the sun shines out of her eyes and we think that she's more deserving. Come on, I'm just being real, having fun. But There's, and I don't know if I've said it before, but Stephen, the martyr, the man who first laid down his life, an axe. He's been stoned to death as they laid their cloaks at the one called Saul. And he's not thinking he's less deserving. He's not thinking I'm more deserving. He starts to pray for him. God, don't hold this against them. Would you show them your mercy? Would you show them your grace? We celebrate the Apostle Paul. But it's because one man said, God created him for relationship, and he's no less deserving than I am. That's the heart of evangelists. The worst of the worst around the world is literally on the same level as any other person that doesn't know God. There are no degrees of separation. Let me read a couple scriptures. So seeing people. Uh, just before I move on. Is this cool? It's just I, I just Father, when I get on a plane, I get next to different people, do I truly believe that they are they're created by you for relationship with you and no less, no more deserving than when I'm ministering with a microphone in my hand in a church, and I feel the spirit of God, and I've got step on the keys, and glory comes down. Is it? Is there any? Are you with me? When I'm walking down the street, and you walk past the homeless, or you, or, or you're in a place where, you know, people are doing things that repulse you. Are they any less or any more deserving? Are they? Are they created by God or not? Like, I don't know, but maybe our biggest prayer, if we look at evangelists, is God, would you move my heart with compassion like Jesus was moved with compassion? Would you help me to feel what you feel? I I might have told you this before, but I remember where I was when the day Osama bin Laden died. And everyone's celebrating, world and church, because here's someone who caused so much terror, you know. And I remember saying to Father, what do you think? think. I just, it's instant and as clear as a bell, I just felt him say, my heart breaks because of my will that none should perish and I created him for relationship and I'll never have it. Well, you, you saw him different than us. It's not excusing anything. And see, this is our problem. We think if someone was created by God for a relationship and that God wants relationship, somehow we've got to excuse or say it's okay. It's not saying that. It's again in our own lives. What gets our attention most? Our sin or the Son of God. It's. And I wonder if sometimes we have to resist that thing when it comes to those that haven't experienced the grace that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us, says Gregory. I want to get God's heart for people. Anyone else? Come on, I want to get God's heart for people. Jesus is tired. He's, he's done his day's work. He's out there. He's... He's he's weary, he's, he's come on, let's go to the other side and the crowd started to follow the crowd, and Jesus was moved with compassion. We know that statement, but that is in response to people that were needy. Okay, I feel feeling my father's heart. I'm feeling my father's heart. I'm feeling my father's heart. Let me give you a couple of scriptures on then this, then I will do the second thing. Second Peter chapter three. I just want to read a couple of verses, Second Peter 3. The first one I've just sort of quoted a bit. I want to read it. I, I really pray for all of us, myself included, very, very much. I'm thinking already about flying home tomorrow and saying, okay, God, help me help see every person as you see them. Is there someone there that you want me to sit next to or talk to in the airport or something like that? God, help, help me not just to see them as another person. I've done my thing. I've been here. I've worked and I've given out. I've been away for several weekends and I just want to get home, leave me alone. And and I won't lie to you. Can I hope I can be honest. When I've been, you know, you guys don't like this time. I've got two meetings, but you know, that, you know, I can do six, seven meetings on a weekend and flying in and flying out. And I By the time I'm going, I'm wrecked. And I pray and say, God, please, can you give me, a seat with no one beside me. I'm being honest. Is that okay? But even Jesus withdrew and rested and things like that, it's just like, it's okay. That's that's not an indication that I don't care about people. But even when Jesus, if you read when he's going from one place to another and he comes to Samaria, and it says, And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by a well. A Samaritan woman came. And he encountered her, and then he spent time there. The village got saved. He was tired, but he said, no, this person was created by God for relationship with God. No less, no more deserving. God, when I'm weak, you're strong. Come on, right now, just give me your words. Give me your heart. Help me to feel what you feel. And this is what it says in Second Peter three nine: The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Come on, don't you love God's word? don't you love the fact that you can just read a line and just come on, we could just think about that for hours. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness and this is one of the challenges in our world today with so much of the evil that's going on. Why won't God do something? Why won't God wipe them out? why won't this is in part what this is saying Why is God so slow Why is he turning a blind eye a deaf ear? And it says, no, no, God's not slow as we understand it. He's not overlooking the sin, but he's seen the person. And it says, instead, he is actually patient with you. I love this. I love this. Watch what God does. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Why is he being slow with them? God turns around. Okay. He is patient with you. come come come, Come back to you. Aren't you glad he was patient? Oh, yeah. Glad he didn't wipe me off before I had that revelation. He's patient with you. And then he turns it back to everyone else, not wanting anyone to perish. Don't you love the way God is masterful with His? (laughs) He's patient with you. And he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's the heart of God, eh? I don't want anyone to perish. Anyone, anyone, anyone. Not the worst of the worst. Not the best of the best. I don't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Verse 15 of Second Peter 3 says, Bear in mind, in other words, keep this in mind. Keep, remember this. Don't, don't let this slip you. Keep this in front of you. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Isn't that awesome? Don't forget that statement. Our Lord's patience means salvation. If you see God being patient with someone that is doing the dumbest of the dumbest of stuff, I'll tell you what it means salvation. It doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. So the First thing as I just started to pray about, from my calling's perspective of evangelists is, Father, help me to see people as you see people. And then flowing from that, because it's always going to be flowing from that. And we've got that, that God created every person. That God created every person for relationship, that no one is more deserving or less deserving. And it's God's will that no one should perish. God's patient literally means salvation. That then flows on to the next part that he's spoken to me, and that is being to people who Father wants me to be to them so that as many as possible can know him. Being to people who Father wants me to be to them so as many as possible may know him. I want to read a few scriptures from First Corinthians chapter 9. And then I just want to bring in a couple of things. And then do you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray for those that don't need, know God because that's what God said to do. And we're going to do that. Because, you know, something can happen and shift in some people's lives as a result of our prayers tonight. you saw encounter Jesus on the road to Damascus because one man in his moment of anguish prayed, what's possible out of our prayers together tonight? And we're going to actually love enough to pray for them. And we're going to pray for our enemies. And we're going to bless them. And we're going to pray for those in our workplace. We're going to pray. And we're going to believe that God will move. And here's the reality that we need to leave this place with. He, he, he will move. And it will probably be through you. As you see them, as he sees them. Not as a problem, not as a pain, not as a, no. Someone created by God for a relationship with God. No less deserving, no more. Being to people who Father wants us to be. So that we can see as many as possible come to know him. First Corinthians 9, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 9, 12. If others have the right of support from you, this is Paul speaking here, shouldn't we have it all the more? I just love this language. But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. It shows a real heart attitude, doesn't it? I'm not fighting for, hang on, I should have this, I should have that. In the body of Christ, I should have, no, no, no. You know what? I'm not going to make it about me, my rights. My rights is a killer in the body of Christ. I've only got one right to do the will of my Father. That's the only right I've got. Because last time I checked, I am not my own. So I don't have rights. Seriously. If you're a believer, you don't have rights. Thank you, Steve. That blesses me so much. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. You and I don't have the right to respond in any conversation how we want to respond. We don't have the right. When someone's firing off at you, in traffic, at work, you and I don't have the right to say what we want to say. Because I am not my own. He says, man, I'll put up with lots of things because I don't want to hinder the good news about Jesus Christ. I don't want to fire off and start to let them have it. That's that's not going to make someone want to step towards Christ if I'm a Christian. Verse 16, 1 Corinthians 9. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast. Huh since I am compelled to preach. In fact, woe to me if I don't preach this gospel. I mean, seriously, I'm breathing because God has done so much and I've just got to tell people how good he is. I don't have rights. I don't fight for my rights. I want to fight for people knowing Christ. I I don't want to boast about, look at me, I'm preaching. No, 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 I've got to do this. I've got to tell people about this good news. You know, it's an old... Analogy story that is, you know, it's been around for ages, but it just comes to my mind now. You know, if someone discovered the cure for cancer, you don't. It's not like, man, I've got to tell people. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna be. I've got to tell everyone. This is gonna help people. We've got Almighty God. How much more? Phrase we've I've said here before. I've heard Greg say it. We're both saying the same language. It's not that I have to. It's that we get to. Come on. Aren't you glad someone shared it with you? Aren't you glad that the Spirit revealed Jesus to you? And then this one here, which is quite challenging in some ways, and I want to read this. And this is, a, I think, the last scripture. And then I want to just say a couple of statements, and we're going to pray. Paul said, "I'm not going to fight for my rights. I'm going to, I'm not going to do that." But then he goes on in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 9. This is a great chapter on evangelists, actually. Though I am free and I belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. I'm not, I'm not a slave to anyone. I'm actually free. But I'll make myself that to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I become like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. And then the famous Statement that we've probably heard. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some of them. Can you see his heart? I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And as I read that, this is what I felt God say. This is not about compromising our integrity. Because sometimes people say, "I'm not going to become. I'm not going to become. No, no, no. I am who I am. I'm not going to change who I am. This is not about compromising our integrity and becoming something we're not. To have a disconnect between who we are and what people receive. This is not about being false. This is not about manipulation. This is not about that. In fact, can I kindly say it's actually not about us. That's the whole point. It's not about us trying to get something. It's not about us trying to... It's not about us. Paul is saying, man, I know who I am. I am free. I'm secure in who I am in God. But I'll do whatever it takes. I don't care if Christians get it or not. And sometimes, when I start and say those crazy evangelists, because some of them do some crazy stuff. Then I go, what are you doing that for? And then hundreds of people get saved. I go, they know who they are, but man, I wouldn't do that. I'm not talking compromise. But I am talking about a heart position that says, I'll do whatever it takes. Not a compromise in the integrity, but doing whatever it takes for the sake of people coming into the relationship with Father. This is the heart of an evangelist. If I start to walk towards the plane tomorrow, tired and weary, then but man, I, I think God, if there's someone that you want me to plant a seed in, or maybe water a seed, or maybe just encourage your God, I know that I know that there's strength available in you. In that moment, Father, help me not to be so self-centered and selfish that I just see a person and not someone that you just sent your son to die for. Again, I'm not saying we can't rest. But Paul's do you see his language? I'm not going to fight for that right. I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I know who I am, but man, I'll become anything. Anything. Just to win some. Even do you notice that language? To win some. There's some people that won't receive it. But I'm not gonna step back and stop because they rejected me. Who was I telling the just last night? Oh, I can't remember who. What well, one weekend flows into another. Um but I was having this time, uh, when I was a couple of years ago I was driving to a ministry trip in in Victoria. Um And this particular place was four hours' drive away. I was there for a weekend. And on the way, about two hours in, I stopped to have something to eat, just to stretch my legs, make sure I was awake. And uh, I went into one of the roadside places in in Melbourne, I don't know, in Victoria. I don't know if it's the same here, I'm sure it is. But sometimes you have the the huge places where you can get your petrol and it's got Maccas and cafes and it's one-stop shop, okay, refuel. And so I went there and I was standing in the queue And there was a lady that was already at the counter getting her food. And I felt God say, I want you to tell her. And then he told me something about God's heart for her. And I stood there going, I'm just, I want to get my food. And And I said, it wouldn't go away. So once she got her food and walked off, in a very non-stalky way, I followed her. <laughs> People say I sometimes have pretty intense eyes and stuff. Like, <laughs> I had a smile in my eyes. It probably made it worse. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Prophet eyes. Is he one of you? <laughs> um, stop distracting me. Um, but I. This is a. Yeah, as I said, it's just, it's one huge place, lots of food places and people around. So it was, and I just, I just got her attention and said, excuse me, and I don't know exactly what I said, but I said it in a way to be as non-weird as possible. And I so, said, you know, I'm a Christian, I just, uh, again, right now, I can't remember. But I shared in obedience to what Father told me to do and it was very nice and I was ready for Steph to suddenly miraculously appear <laughs> heaven and glory and everyone got slain and the spirit and filled with the spirit and revival broke out and instead she turned around and went off her nut at me and she did it in such a way to make sure others heard and I was standing there with my tray like a puppy with a tail between its legs. I literally, because she walked off after abusing me, I went and sat down in the furthest corner. I just want to feel your love. Um, But this is honestly what happened. I sat down, and I remember, word for word, what I said to God and what he said to me. And I said, what just happened? That was my part. And he says, I, I wanted to know if you're going to obey me only when it works out or when they reject you too. And I sat there and I thought, you know what, they rejected him. They beat him. They crucified him. The ones that said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. He said, crucify, crucify, crucify. Uh, uh, it was not easy. It was not pleasant. Some people on the plane, man, they just open up. Some people, oh, I don't want a conversation. That's cool. We need to remember that God doesn't hold us responsible for what He said He'll do. In Corinthians, Paul says, You know, I planted a seed, Apollos watered, God made the increase. And then he goes as far as say, So the one who plants and the one who waters, I mean, really, what are they? They're nothing. Thank you. Only Christ. But then it says, but you will be rewarded for what you do. It's not a compulsion. It's a heart that says, man, they're created by God. for God. And Paul said, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes. He, he ended up in prison. And I just want to finish as we pray and Maybe Steph, you do want to come back in and, and that is that sharing the gospel becomes a not that becomes a a highest priority again in our lives it's about knowing him this is not compulsion, but if this is about evangelists if this is the start of this um again I just I really went to God as. just said, Father, I want to see as you want me to see about sharing tonight. And I want to be who you want me to be in sharing tonight. And that's, as I said, we need to see, well, that's actually the heart of the evangelist. Seeing people as Father sees people. How many people think that would be a great thing for us to pray? Father, would you, I don't know about you, but maybe sometimes I need my heart shifted a little bit towards certain people, not others. Yeah. Maybe we, our prayer I think we can just pause for a moment. Um and say Lord firstly help me to see. In fact, let's just pray for this part first. Let's pray for this part first and then we'll pray for the next part. But can we just spend a moment with Father